Um, yeah, oh, and that's your question, of course. I wanted to ask myself a question. <laughs> you can ask yourself a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, September 29th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Labor Photoshopper. And with me today is uh, Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and a free beer advocate. Yes. Paul, have you been cancelling people again? No. <laughs> this time I didn't. It wasn't you. Uh, do you know what this refers to or not? I believe this is to do with um, an image that was shared by Franz Timmermans yes, exactly. on social media where yeah. he had, uh, uh, I don't, I can't remember the, I didn't see the exact details, or I can't remember well, them. It's, but basically it's my story, he, so stop stealing my it's story. It's your story, uh, yeah, so t take uh, it away. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> What happened with Franz Timmermans and the picture on social media? <laughs> yeah, ever since Franz Timmermans announced he is the frontrunner for the uh, PvdA GroenLinks combination in the upcoming elections, he's been a little bit invisible, hasn't he? Yeah, We, we haven't yes, seen true. him too much. Um, uh, yeah, people were wondering where he was, but apparently he is he's doing a Tour de France. That is the uh, that's the working title of uh, of of his preparation campaign, um, and that means that he is uh, yeah visiting people at home and uh, having keukentafel uh, talks with people and uh, stuff like that. But he also uh, joined a protest in I think it was Heerlen in in uh, the south of Limburg, where yeah. um, a uh, hospital. Uh, ward, uh, yes, uh, a, a wing of the hospital is uh, is is in danger of being closed down. So yeah. uh, there were a lot of protests happening there, and uh, Franz Timmermans uh, turned up to to join uh, the protesters. Um, yeah, but. Um, and, and of course, the campaign team thought it was a nice opportunity to uh, take some pictures and put it on social media to, uh, yeah, to show how um, how uh, involved Franz Timmermans is with the well-being of the normal people. But unfortunately for the social media team, there were other political parties present there as well, including yeah. the socialist parties, and mm. um, their um, yeah party symbol is a tomato isn't it so yes you, you saw uh, flags with tomatoes and signs with tomatoes and um yeah unfortunately for the social media team Franz Timmermans was standing uh, next to SP people all the time um but one person uh, of the PvdA thought it was a great idea to um yeah open photoshop and delete all the tomatoes that were surrounding uh uh, Frans Timmermans in in that picture. So um, some people on social me media noticed that and they pointed out how yeah childish it is to delete yeah. uh, these uh, you know pretending as if the socialist party. Basically, it was what Stalin did, right? He also yeah. photoshopped one of <laughs> exactly his, what um, Stalin did. Yes, yeah. This is how Stalin began. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Stalin so, began. Yeah, you know, one minute you're deleting a logo in his picture, the next uh, you're uh, uh, ordering uh, the mass murder of an ethnic minority. So watch <laughs> out, everybody. Watch out, Franz Timmermans. Yeah. Um, so there was an it wasn't was a was a whole row on the internet. Uh, look at Franz Timmermans. Uh, yeah, deleting uh, his his political opponents from uh, from nice images that he wants to use himself. Um, 
wasn't the end of the world. The PvdA and GroenLinks, they uh, apologized for the mistake. They said it was only only yeah. one of the minions who did it right. It wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, at the instruction of Frans Timmermans or anything. But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. It is one of these nice uh, campaign rows that you always see happening uh, in the in the in the uh, um, uh, in in the weeks and months before the actual election. Yep. So. And speaking of um, yeah, election faux pas, um, yeah. uh, your job title refers to something we didn't discuss last week in the last episode because it was actually happening while we were recording, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but it this is, is too to do good with not to mention, right? It was definitely worth a mention. Yeah, this is to do with Caroline van der Plas, uh, leader of the uh, BBB, the Farmers Party, um, who came under attack last week because uh, during the... Um, the budget debate, the Algemene Politica Beschouwingen, she said that she stood up and said that she wanted to raise a minimum wage, uh, but she didn't know how much by. Is a, uh, the bean. And uh, she, she also she said, just basically didn't have any um, costings for any of her uh, policies. And uh, she's refused to have um, her party manifesto assessed by the, um, uh, the government's economic uh, managers, which is a standard practice in Dutch campaigns. Um, and so she was uh, basically uh, mocked by lots of the other parties for not actually having any kind of clue about finance. And that uh, the accusation was that she just wanted to hand out free beer. Yeah. Uh, and so the follow-up to this was phrasing in English, right? Isn't it? Sorry, it's also a phrasing in English, right? Free beer. Free beer. Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah, free beer, or sometimes the yeah, yeah, or the other phrase is jam tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're promising things uh, that you can't actually deliver. So and when the, the thing BBB is, this, this wasn't uh, this wasn't just a, a a comment that she just said in between the lines, right? But it was an actual motion on the budget, uh, an yeah. amendment on the budget the the, the cabinet had just uh, sent to the Tweede Kamer, and she literally phrased it as the minimum wage the minimum wage should be raised somewhat. Yes, somewhat. Um, yeah, and um, uh, it should be funded by. Decrease in government spending, yes. and it was such a, such a, such a <laughs> vague phrasing, vague. Yeah. yeah. That that all the other uh, political leaders they they rushed to the microphone to uh, to to ask for some clarification and also point out that uh, Caroline van der Plas, who has one seat in the Tweede Kamer, but is the largest faction in the Eerste Kamer, so definitely a force to reckon with. Yeah. Um, they rushed to the microphone to point out that they are that that that, that party is probably not as financially responsible as you might expect from a uh, potentially uh, largest or ruling party. So, um, yeah, that was a little bit of a um, uh, embarrassing for Caroline van der Plas. At the same time, uh, it also underlined the fact that the Boerburg Beweging is not one of the establishment parties, right? All the establishment parties were mocking her and she has tried to spin this as, um, you know, I am, we're not taking seriously by, we're still not uh, being taken seriously by by the establishment parties. So uh, you see a very interesting... Um, yeah, yes. a battle yeah, of the, the spins, right? Yeah, so, d- d- uh, damn the establishment and their sense of fiscal responsibility <laughs> <laughs> and and their maths. 
It's, uh, it's, it is sort of leaning towards that infamous comment about we've had enough of experts, isn't it? So yeah. let's just uh, have uh, let's just raise the minimum wage a bit and uh, cut some spending somewhere. But yeah, and then she, when the Bebe Bay had the party conference at the weekend, Caroline van der Plas then actually was uh, photographed uh, holding a mug of beer and saying "free yeah. beer for everyone." So she was trying yeah. to turn the yeah, d- 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 trying to um, yeah, to d- d- turn the joke back on the uh, the accusers, which was quite funny. Yeah, I have to say, I was watching that, and I think uh, she—I'm quite sure—I uh, heard her say she didn't just promise free beer, but also a free car for everybody living in the Bloomberg in the Hague. So I'm looking forward to her <laughs> honouring that promise as well. Yeah, you can finally vote, can't you? Yeah, I can't. No, but uh, my two children Not, both oh. can now. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so because your 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 youngest son turned eighteen uh, this yes, week, right? Yes, he's just yeah, turned so eighteen. Yeah, congratulations. So I'm no longer a responsible adult. Well, and no longer a responsible voter. So uh, yeah, you can uh, <laughs> you can join yes. uh, the Boerburgbeweging. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No responsibility, so you're you're welcome there. The interesting thing with this motion was that uh, it was co-signed by uh, Peter Omtzigt, and oh yes, um, of course, yes, and he is. Yeah, regarded as a very responsible guy, as also uh, fiscally responsible. So that was also curious to see his signature under that motion. Um, he wasn't standing at the microphone, so he wasn't. Uh, he couldn't be questioned. But yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it it was interesting. Yes. All, all this talk of uh, delicious things uh, brings <laughs> us onto the op for the week uh, quite nicely. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's delicious? I never tried it, so I well, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but no, no, I'm not sure the talk about it's delicious, but uh, people were outraged. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a question of taste, isn't it? And uh, yeah, you know, that's and, uh, right. Really, just ultimate proof uh, that uh, you know um, uh, 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 of that uh, old Dutch saying, "Oh, for smack, fold need to twist and." <laughs> that's right. Or perhaps disproof, actually, because there have been people being arguing about it all week. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> that's a philosophical question here. Um, this is probably one of the most uh, yeah ridiculous opaps that we've seen this year. Uh, this time it comes. This time it comes from Amersfoort. We already had a very uh, ridiculous ophef coming from Amersfoort. Now come to think of it, uh, but this time Rutger van der Noord, who is an opinie maker, someone who on a professional basis expresses his opinion. I'm not sure if he's a commentator, right? Is that is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, would yeah. could we call him that? Um, where commentator Rutger van der Noord was disappointed when he tried to order a Mac croquette at his local McDonald's restaurant. To his unpleasant surprise, the burger with a croquette that's only served in Dutch McDonald's restaurants was uh, from now on only available in a vegan version. Reluctantly, he and his wife ordered it anyway, and surprise, surprise, it tasted dreadful and like cardboard. <laughs> Van der Noord decided to express his discontent in an unnecessary lengthy thread on Twitter, in which he described how he complained to the manager of the restaurant, who supposedly acknowledged that he was also very unhappy with the change and that he had already received dozens of complaints about that, uh, yeah, that morning. Um, Van der Noord then said he also emailed McDonald's from Netherlands to complain about the woke ideology that is forced <laughs> upon him in <laughs> of their restaurants. Yeah, yeah. The thread received supportive comments from people who completely agree with him, but was uh, also ridiculed for being the most pathetic thing that has ever been published on Twitter. And that is an ac- accomplishment, I have that, to say. That is one hell of a. Uh, yeah, there's some stiff competition there. Also. Yeah, indeed. He's definitely a contender. The McDonald's. Uh, the macroquette has been uh, trending for the entire week, making McDonald's uh, very happy because uh, they already planned an ad campaign about the launch of the meatless macroquette. 
the traditional version will return to McDonald's restaurants next month. So um, yeah, people have only only have to yeah, Rutger van der Noord only has to wait for a couple of weeks until All he right. can still can he's, finally he's, taste his uh, his well, beloved. That's the good uh, news for him. He can, he can be in a rage for another uh, three weeks, which is always good for a columnist. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah he, he was complaining. He was literally complaining that they were forcing woke ideology down his throat, weren't they? So, <laughs> exactly, he was he was being force fed uh, woke ideology. Yes, um, it was the type of op ed you 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 see regularly. Um, yeah. People, you know, they change. I don't know. Um, uh, Hema changes to uh, unisex clothing, for example. Yeah. The um, Colonista van Catan board game changes to Catan. It's it's the it's a similar type of ophef, um, but um, and then whenever and nobody notices for a couple of weeks, sometimes even a few months, and then suddenly one person in the media picks it up and uh, it it erupts, doesn't it? Yes, but yeah. to the to the um, uh, to the praise of Rutger van der Noord, he noticed this. The same day at the Macro Cats ah. turned vegan, unannounced. Yeah. So he was uh, he was paying attention. I have to say that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's the same type of opf, and um, yeah, it's yeah. Is it really that? No. Well, I mean, things. But, but I mean, I know you're a frequent diner at uh, McDonald's, and uh, I never tried uh, this one. Out. I have to say. So you haven't tried this one, yeah? I wondered how I, th- I thought you would have picked it up even earlier than Rutger van der Noort. I also thought that when when this story we've we've had some actual news this week, but when this story first broke, I thought we were going to spend the whole podcast talking about muck croquettes. To, to be yes, <laughs> yes. But good news for meat eaters is that uh, the, uh, the 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 meatless muck croquettes or the the, the meaty muck croquettes are coming back. They're not uh, yes. dead yet. Well, hopefully they are, but. Uh, <laughs> This week, uh, Rotterdam was shocked by a shooting, killing three people. Uh, Peter Omzicht finally presented his party's candidates for the uh, November 22nd general election. Chemical company Shermoors can be held liable for PFAS pollution in Dordrecht. NS cannot raise ticket prices in rush hour, while Amsterdam will raise tourist tax. Uh, the Klassieker resulted in absolute chaos in Amsterdam, and Pokémon are invading the Van Gogh Museum. Three people, including a 14-year-old girl, have died in two related shootings in Rotterdam on Thursday. Shortly before half past two, a gunman opened fire at a house on Heimel Dulatplein, shooting dead a 39-year-old woman. Eyewitnesses said there was an explosion as her 14-year-old daughter opened the door. It's unclear if the girl was shot or fatally injured by flying glass when a window smashed. Uh, while the ground floor of the building was burning, the man headed to the Erasmus Medical Centre, the main hospital in Rotterdam, where he went into a classroom and shot a 43-year-old tutor. The man and the girl died in hospital from their injuries later. The shooter then set fire to a classroom. Some reports said he threw a Molotov cocktail before running through the building. Police arrest teams went into the building and tried to evacuate staff and patients, but some were trapped inside. The gunman was arrested within an hour in the car park beneath the hospital's helipad. He was carrying a gun and wearing combat fatigues and a bulletproof vest. Yeah, these, those were pretty uh, shocking scenes in, in, in Rotterdam. For those who don't know, the Erasmus MC is a, uh, is a hospital. It's one of the largest hospitals in the Netherlands, but it's also an academic hospital. And uh, next yeah. to it, there's also a uh, university. And um, the, the, the images of, of all these hospital personnel and all these students and these patients running away from the hospital... Uh, yeah, and and the university. It was it was really quite shocking. And at this, I was on the road yeah. uh, around 
water dam when this when this happened and just the sheer amount of, of emergency services and um, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 squad teams that were uh, yeah on the road it was just you immediately sensed that that something very serious was happening yeah um, it was a very very rapid response and he saw um, a SWAT teams of dozens of police officers going into the building uh, holding their weapons he also saw of course as you said um, staff coming out of the hospital and patients wheeling patients out in wheelchairs in beds trying to get them out by any means possible but not everybody could get out because once he started running around the hospital building with a gun people of course were worried that he was going to try to take out more victims um so as you say yes really just distressing chaotic scenes and uh, yes yeah, so everyone involved uh, very very um uh, shocked and upset by what happened yeah and and he also set fire to uh, to the university library and uh, yeah it was um, yeah yeah, the, the, I, read, I read one um, eyewitness account where somebody said they were having an eye examination in the hospital at the time, and all of a sudden, as they're literally as they're reading the chart, the letters on the chart, the police SWAT team burst in and shouted at them. They had to leave. It's mm-hmm. so quick, and then you think the, you know, that's you know, the, 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 the the sudden switch from doing something very routine and safe to being told your life's in danger and you've got to get out of the building is uh, dramatic and shocking. So, um, do we know anything about the gunman's motives? Yes, he's been named now by Dutch media as uh, Fuad L. Uh, Rotterdam's police chief, Fred Veskerbeker, told a press conference he was acting alone and it appeared to be a targeted action. So he wasn't uh, thought to have a political motive or a terrorist motive or be connected to the underworld in any way. The prosecution service also said he had a recent conviction for animal mistreatment. And this seems to be at the uh, core of his motivation. Um, The woman who he killed was reported to be his neighbor, uh, possibly his next door neighbor, uh, who'd reported him several times to the housing association for mistreating his pet dog and his pet rabbit and witnesses in the hospital also said they heard him shout it's time before he unleashed five shots at his teacher he'd also written a number of posts on 4chan the the, uh, internet uh, chat platform about a dispute that he was having with his teachers he claimed that they were trying to make him fail his exams he was training to be a doctor and he said i'm sorry for what i did to my innocent animals my real enemy was a faculty he uh, the reports as well that uh, he had um, uh, an alcohol problem and uh, he'd been reported for lying in his back garden uh, in a state of uh, distress and uh, firing shots at a to firing a crossbow at fish and uh, and a pigeon um, in fact he was mm. prosecuted i think for mistreating uh, his pet rabbit uh, while he was in, while he was in a, in a drunken state uh, and also mistreating a pigeon um, and his dog although he wasn't convicted of uh, abusing the dog but nevertheless clearly some real serious uh, problems at the heart of this and it looks as if this was a personal revenge mission against two people who he perceived had slighted him um, and the uh, poor unfortunate 14 year old girl was caught in the crossfire and it should be said as well, by the time the fire brigade arrived at the ground floor house, um, flames were shooting out of the window and the fire was raging so hard they couldn't actually get in. They had to send a drone into the building to look for victims. Um, oh, wow. And that, uh, yeah, I think, uh, also supports the the, um, uh, the theory that uh, he used some kind of explosive or possibly a firebomb uh, when, he, when he arrived at the house. So it's got all, all the hallmarks, basically, of a meticulously planned attack with devastating consequences. Um, and it was also said that um, the shooter is, was a student at the uh, at the academic hospital, right? 
Yes, he was uh, a student, and it's um, believed that the uh, the tutor that he shot uh, dead, a uh, 43-year-old man who's been named as a Jürgen Dam, and uh, was one of his teachers uh, at the university. He was trained to be a doctor, um, and that is why he was uh, he, he 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 had vendetta against the faculty. Uh, he accused them of um, uh, dis- uh, dismissing him because he was uh, his behaviour was strange or he was weird, and that they were trying to get him to fail his exams. So this seems to have so been obvious- a long-running thing. And we've seen 4chan threads uh, from dating back from early this year where he talks about this a lot and also talks about uh, his abuse of his animals as well. So obviously a tremendous shock for everyone uh, yeah, who was caught up in it. Yes, I mean, some hospital staff managed to run outside, others were evacuated, um, but some were trapped in the building and there are images of people writing messages on pieces of paper and holding them up against a window to say they, they couldn't get out because, of course, the, the, mm. the press also arrived on the scene quite quickly once they heard what was going on. Uh, and, uh, yes, um, outside there was panic as the news spread that a teacher had been shot in the hospital, but also uh, it was uh, uh, because the police managed to arrest uh, the, the gunman quite quickly within about an hour. Um, there was uh, the, the, the panic uh, luckily subsided fairly quickly. Neighbours of the, uh, the, vic- the, the woman who was shot said she was a kind-hearted woman who always went out of her way to help people, and her daughter who died was one of twins. Uh, there were four oh. children altogether in the family who will all be grieving this morning. So, yeah, very sad. And um, have we seen reactions from political leaders uh, today and yesterday? Yeah, so yesterday we had some responses from uh, politicians. The uh, caretaker justice minister and uh, Fefe Day leader, Dilan Yeshulgas, said her thoughts went out to the victims, their friends and families, the first responders and the police. The king and queen also uh, sent messages of condolence via, via the, royal, uh, the, the, the royal household. They said our hearts go out to the families and friends of the victims of these acts of violence. We are also thinking of everyone who felt anxious during and after these dreadful acts. And the caretaker health minister, Ernst Kaupers, and he, of course, was previously a director of the Erasmus Hospital. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he said, uh, innocent victims die today in a place where everyone should feel safe. And uh, the mayor of Rotterdam, uh, Ahmed Abu Talib, who, of course, uh, um, has had to um, uh, handle the response to this and uh, the handling of the, the victims, said it was a pitch black day for the city and promised that uh, there would be support for everybody who needed it. And... Uh, gave quite an emotional interview where he said you know it's the end of the week you think you're winding down and just doing a couple of bit of housekeeping on the city council moving things uh, two centimeters forward and then all of a sudden you're you're having to uh, cope with the with the aftermath of a terrible tragedy and it's also emerged this morning that uh, the prosecution service actually warned uh, Erasmus University uh, teaching staff in an email uh, shortly before, quite recently, uh, about the behaviour of Afuadel. They said they were very concerned. Obviously, he had this previous conviction for animal yeah. abuse. Um, the abuse of his pet seems to have started around about five years ago uh, when he uh, fired crossbow at his, uh, a crossbow at his fish and it escalated. Um, as I say, that he was investigated uh, and uh, con- convicted uh, of abusing his rabbit, uh, but, they, and, and, but they, they were concerned about what they called psychotic behaviour. So it, there are questions being raised now about whether these more could have been done uh, to intervene uh, to um, uh, to prevent these attacks. So certainly in all his 4chan posts and in other reports, uh, he, he, he repeatedly said that he, he had Asperger's syndrome. Now, I, I'm not sure if that's a formal diagnosis because he says that you don't... Uh, 
diagnose Asperger's anymore. It's all autism. Mm. But certainly he, he self-diagnosed and as a medical student uh, and uh, discussed this in great detail. But it looks on the face of it as if uh, whether or not he was, the, 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 whether or not he was uh, uh, formally diagnosed with autism, he wasn't getting the treatment and, medi- and uh, psychological support that, that he needed. Yeah, an extremely sad story and yeah. uh, indeed an extremely black day for, for Rotterdam and everyone involved. Independent MP Pieter Omzicht has finally unveiled the candidate list of his newly formed political party New Social Contract, consisting of 44 people. Omzicht, who had received 24, oh, I'm going to say that later on. Yeah. Uh, Omzicht said he has carefully selected his list to represent the whole of the Netherlands, including the Caribbean islands. The former CDA MP founded his party last month, pledging to restore trust in politics and make government more transparent and accountable to people. Omzicht has led the polls ever since announcing he planned to run in the general election of November 22nd. Um, some uh, pollsters suggest uh, he could win between 30 and 40 seats. Uh, currently in the poll of polls, which we uh, always uh, always use, uh, he is polled to win 25 seats. And that's uh, neck and neck with the VVD. Actually, it's neck and neck and neck with the VVD and the GroenLinks uh, yeah. uh, uh, PvdA uh, tandem. Because they are both uh, yeah polled around 25 seats. Curiously, the, the, the two polling companies have have put uh, NSA and Fefe on roughly the same, on exactly the same numbers, but there's huge variation, discrepancy in what uh, GroenLinks Fefe might get. One polling company puts them in the lead with 29, the other one says they're in third place on 21. So a lot of uncertainty around the polls. I, I, think, I think it just shows that these polls never show how many people haven't made up their mind yet, right? I'm always curious to see uh, how many people... Well, uh, they, they, they do actually sheriff. ask people how, how sure you are that you're going to vote and how sure you are of your choice. And um, I think at the moment about 22% are floating voters, so people who haven't made their okay. minds up at all. Um, yeah, which is, uh, they compared that with the same point in the election campaign last time, uh, which would be January 2021, and then it was about 19% of floating voters. So uh. there's still a lot of votes up for grabs. Yeah, 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 indeed. And that can explain the fluctuation between polls uh, uh, between the parties, yes. There's also been questions about uh, whether OMSI could actually find enough candidates for his list, uh, and he doubted that himself, hadn't he? Yeah, uh, he had received 2,400 applications from people who wanted a place on the list. Quite a number. Uh, But Omtzigt said that he uh, would only put someone on the list if he had complete trust in them. And he also said that he had no ambition uh, becoming the largest party in the Tweede Kamer, which is refreshing because that's uh, usually uh, the ultimate goal, right, of a a political party. Yeah, well, well, he said that, but uh, now, yeah, he seems to... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we come to that. Um, he said that such an explosive growth of a, of a new party would be irresponsible. Um, and that raised some questions initially because if Omtzigt would participate with a relatively short list with a, yeah, a, 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 a core group of people he trusts, he might not be able to fill all the seats he will win in November. And that meant, would mean that um, uh, those empty seats would go to other parties and that would raise all sorts of other... Yeah, uh, um, uh, unpleasantness and awkward uh, and awkwardness in the Tweede Kamer. Uh, but fortunately, he uh, has presented yeah. his, his yeah. very long list of 44 candidates. He's a new party, so uh, his his uh, uh, his the maximum length would be 50. 
and that means that uh, if he wins 25 seats he has uh, he has uh, yeah plenty of, of candidates to fill them and even some spare in case uh, one or two of them uh, will go away or will uh, move to the cabinet yes of course yeah uh, so who is on the list yeah, it's it, it's not a a list with big names or anything with, with yeah. big fish. Something that we would would have expected. There were a lot of uh, speculations about who would who would uh, turn up on that list. Um, the list contains a, a large number of people with experience in government, including judges, civil servants, and even an ambassador. Uh, and it was uh, yeah widely expected that Omzicht would uh, attract a bunch of his former CDA colleagues, but yeah, only a, only a handful of them appear on the list. Uh, for example, the number two, that's Nicoline van Vroonhover. She is a former CDA MP and his main advisor. And she's currently serving as his spokesman after the debacle with his other uh, spokesperson uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yep. Number three is a criminal judge and uh, former CDA councillor Judith Uitermark. Fourth place is taken by Kasper Veldkamp, a member of the board of directors of the European Bank of Reconstruction and Development, who mm. everyone has heard about that, of course. Of course, yes. Um, yeah. And fifth place is, uh, I think, the most interesting one that's uh, taken by Sandra Palman. She's a civil servant who wrote a memo in 2017 in which she earned, urged the government and the and the, the political leadership of the ministries uh, back then to compensate parents who were made uh, to pay back their childcare support after they were yeah. wrong accused of fraud and that yeah, memo and during the inquiry this this memo reappeared after it vanished for several years and it really was a smoking gun wasn't it that showed the tax service the tax office was aware for several or should have been aware for several years that it's um uh that its anti-fraud policies were unnecessarily heavy-handed and punishing families and leaving them in uh, in uh, destitute yeah, and also the the political leadership, right? Not only the the the, the civil servants, the, the senior civil servants of the of these institutions, but also the political leadership. Um, so as you said, that was really the smoking gun of the whole uh, whole affair. Um, and of course, Omtzigt played a key role in exposing the scandal. So um, yeah, it is um, it is yeah. logical that or or yeah, illogical. I don't know, but um, 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 it is um, it is telling that he has attracted uh, uh, this particular civil servant. And, uh, for his list and he also um, I, I haven't I, I can't I, I forgot the name but um, he also attracted someone who is involved in the um, reparation um, organization for the victims of the um, Groninger gas extraction uh, damages in Groningen. That was uh, Anna Maria Heiter. She, she was uh, oh. actually a victim of the gas extraction in Groningen. She has a house in Groningen, which was damaged, and then mm. uh, she later became, uh, yeah, as you say, uh, she later started working for the agency that's uh, coordinating the uh, restoration. So yes, yeah, so she's yes. got uh, both because he said, obviously said he wanted uh, experts, but also uh, people with uh, real hands-on life experience. So she falls into both categories. Yeah, and it is also telling that he uh, he picked uh, people who were uh, yeah so heavily involved in 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 a number of the uh, yeah largest scandals that uh, that that is sticking to the premiership of uh, of uh, of Mark Rutte, right? It's uh, it's telling yeah. that he is uh, he's putting them on the list. Yeah, well, um, he, he's known as a dossierfreiter, isn't he? Which is uh, yeah. somebody who consumes dossiers, and he he has on if you look down the list, there's, there's sort of an expert to cover all of his uh, particular. Um, uh, dossiers. So there's there's an there's an expert on the Cornia gas. There's an expert on the Tuslachen affair, uh, the child benefit scandal. There's an expert on pensions because he's had a lot. Uh, he's Tenkel. done a lot of work on the pension reform. Yeah. So the, 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 they're all there. 
basically. Yeah, and another uh, surprising name is Volkert Itzinga. He unexpectedly resigned last month as a VVD MP, um, yeah, giving no explanation, but now we uh, now we finally know. Mm-hmm. He did um he did leave the Tweede Kamer though. So he uh, he didn't pull a uh, how how do you, how do, uh, Liliane Helder and uh, Nikki Pauverwey who yeah, switched yeah. parties to join yep, the Bloomberg Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another uh, surprising name is Rosanne Hertzberger. She is a microbiologist and also an outspoken columnist for NRC newspaper and yeah, one of the more most annoying um, a, a regular source of that, OPEP. Um, yeah, regular Rosanne source Hertzberger's of OPEP columns. because she is she is always trying to be uh, contraire. No, that's yes, yeah, so, no, yes. Yeah, she is yeah. always trying to be contrarian, isn't she? She's always trying. Yeah, to, exactly. Trying to yeah. provoke. Um, yeah, to, and, uh, people have been. Uh, sharing her columns on social media uh, in the last week. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, and and we've seen also some um, uh, some uh, gedoe uh, regarding uh, columnists on on party uh, on party lists. So yes, um, yeah, she, and she has been a columnist since what was it, twenty ten or something? For so quite a uh, while, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for quite a while. So lots of uh, lots of columns to read and to uh, to uh, to point to out, out some discrepancies between uh, between her and uh, Peter Omzicht. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but Omzicht has still got some work to do, right? Because he's only just founded his party. Yeah, he just founded his party. Um, he he did present, uh, yeah, a sort of um, uh, uh, a document with founding principles for a new social contract. Yeah. When he uh, when he uh, announced uh, uh, his party. Yeah. But it was just yeah, a little uh, summary of uh, forty pages, wasn't it? So <laughs> yeah, it was very short. <laughs> yes. Very beknopt. by his standards. Um, yeah. Uh, but he he did take quite a while to uh, to present his candidate list, and uh, he still doesn't have a detailed party manifesto where he uh, yeah sort of outlines all the plans that he has with the Netherlands. And yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of criticism about that um, because yeah, if if we don't know what he actually stands for, we 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 have nothing to disagree with him about because yeah. until now he's only he he he's mostly been talking about bestaanszekerheid, this this uh, sense of security. Uh, for um, uh, yeah, the, the cost of living crisis, but also transparency. D- those are not things that people can disagree with, right? Um, uh, and you can only debate um, uh, uh, yeah, policies and um, uh, standpoints if you actually know what they are in detail. So yeah. he still has some. He still has to work to do uh, about that. He still has to come up with a, a party manifesto. Knowing uh, Peter Omzicht, it will be somewhere around a thousand pages or something. Yep. So at least, um, yeah, we have something to look forward to. Yes. Um, and it's also unclear if Peter Omzicht will nominate someone for the position of prime minister in case New Social Contract becomes the largest party. Mm. I don't think he will because uh, yeah, he's he's pretty he's uh, he's a very principled guy also when it comes to constitution and stuff like that. And we don't elect the prime minister technically speaking; we elect the the the, the parliament, um, so uh, and not the cabinet or its position. So I yeah. don't think he will uh, name someone, even though yeah, it is. I think people really need to know who he's going to yeah this is uh, the thing where we don't elect uh, cabinet uh, ministers or the prime minister but of course that's something people look for um and what's yeah. really interesting and i thought when you dig uh, again when you dug into the opinion polls this week is that they asked um why people were uh, leaning towards a particular party and one of the things was uh, categories was uh, because of the identity of the leader and for omzicht that was 71 percent. 71 percent of people were voting for nsa because it's peter omzicht party which is a much yeah. higher figure than either of the other two leaders so paradoxically he is the leader 
leader with the highest profile of the three, and yet he's the one who doesn't want to be prime minister and hasn't said who he does want to be prime minister. And yet clearly people, all, you know, when they vote for a party, they identify with the leader. I mean, Mark Rutter, we know, uh, was worth a couple of seats to the Fefe Day, which is illustrated by the fact that they've dropped, you know, for five to ten seats um, since he... Um, uh, since he resigned, um, or, or since the last election, rather, um, but uh, so, so you know the, the name of the leader and uh, the candidate for prime minister is something that matters to voters. Uh, that's something I think he's got to resolve. And it's also the outcome of the election, right? Yeah. I mean, we elect people, then we have the formation, and it results in a cabinet. So yeah, yeah of course it is. There you have some purists who always say no, the, the cabinet and the prime minister have nothing to do with the election, but that's also not true. Yeah, but well, what's I mean, the current cabinet um, called again? Rutte for exactly Rutte for is named after yeah. the after the prime minister. They always are. Yeah. So, um, and so there is a bit of a personality cult uh, surrounding uh, yeah. Peter Omzicht. What kind of uh, Soviet dictator does that remind us of? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should uh, grow a mustache, Peter Omzicht. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, until he grows a mustache, we don't have to worry about him. Yeah. Um, and I, w- I again wanted to ask myself for the next question. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had uh, the party com- quite a few party conferences uh, last weekend. We've already mentioned the party conference uh, where uh, Caroline van der Plas uh, wanted to hand out free beer. Uh, but the uh, yeah, the, the, all eyes really focused on the Feymarkt Hallen, the cattle market in Den Bosch. So yeah. uh, who was having their conference at the cattle market? Yeah, quite surprisingly, it was the Partij van de Dieren, the yes. Animal Rights Party. Um, the leader of the, the leader of that party, Esther Auerhand, uh, you know, has been embroiled in a power battle with the party's board, uh, which unexpectedly announced earlier this month that it wouldn't nominate her for the party leadership due to uh, some undisclosed questions about her integrity, and yeah, that resulted in a in a in a in a in a, in a, in a, in a yeah, a crazy week, uh, an, an mm. extreme roller coaster. Um, but the outcome was that Auerhand won, and um, uh, after she received overwhelming support from both outside and inside the party, and the entire board resigned. So, um, Esther Auerhand, it was expected she would uh, uh, yeah be victorious at this party conference, um, which she was. She 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 received lots of standing ovations, but yeah. uh, she surprised everyone, friend and enemy, when she announced that she will temporarily really step back as the lijsttrekker, the number one candidate on the list, uh, as long as the accusations aren't sorted out. Uh, and that means that the Partij voor de Dieren will have to start the election campaign without its leader. And they also ha- only have, what is it, five weeks or something to um, to uh, uh, set up an, an independent investigation and, and write a report and uh, yeah, find out what ha- actually has happened and yeah. uh, if, if she can be cleared. So Yeah, and, um, and, and, nom- and then nominate a new leader because that's at the end of October is when you have to submit your final list of candidates, right? So Yeah. Yeah, so at that point we have they they have to decide whether or not she's leader, and it was, it, it, she said that uh, she was stepping back for the uh, for the purity of the party. She said we have to keep things pure and um, not have a leader who's got accusations hanging over her head. So, however, basically this was a back me or sack me message, right? She was, yeah. uh, and and also you know in in the context of uh, the last board attempting to remove her and having to resign because uh, the party voters and the party activists overwhelmingly came out for our hunt. So I think she's kind of holding a, you know, uh, holding a vegan gun to their heads very much and <laughs> saying, you know, you, you can remove me if you want, but look what happened to the last lot. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, back me or sack me, uh, I think that question was already resolved last week. Well, we right? thought so, Everyone, yeah. yeah. Uh, nobody 
I think nobody was was paying attention to these uh, accusations anymore. No, nobody, or at least in my uh, experience, nobody took them s- too serious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting choice. But yeah. um, on the other hand, if she uh, if she really um, yeah is is acquitted of any wa- wrongdoing, then uh, yeah she is uh, she of course has cemented her position as the party uh, uh, as the party leader uh, for yeah for a very long time. Yeah. A court in Rotterdam has ruled that the American chemicals company Shimur's can be held liable for environmental damage caused by PFAS pollution. The Shimur's plant in Dordrecht produced Teflon products using PFAS substances which are known as forever chemicals because they degrade extremely slowly, which of course is not good for the environment. But they've also been linked to medical conditions including cancer and hormonal dysfunction. Dutch lawyer Benedict Feek has started a mass claim a month ago against all the managers of the factory, which was previously owned by DuPont, since 1962, and she claims they knowingly released harmful chemicals into the environment for years. That case is still to be heard, but on Wednesday, four local authorities around Dordrecht won a claim against a company that could force it to pay for the clean-up operation. What are the uh, further implications of uh, of this ruling? Yeah, well, this is a, a very complicated uh, legal situation. There's a series of uh, actions going on. The court was looking, in this case, at the period between 1984 and 1998 and uh, whether the company should be uh, held liable for the pollution. And uh, it, it found that the company kept information about potentially damaging PFAS emissions secret when it was applying for permits, which meant the council, mm. when it issued the permits, uh, couldn't uh, include conditions uh, requiring the company to keep pollution under control that reminds me a little bit of donald trump who had the same uh, ruling right yeah 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 very similar isn't it yeah yeah and of course they could also couldn't take measures to protect the groundwater the air and the soil which is uh, where the um, the high levels of p plus emissions are found it's an interim ruling and the court will decide later if chemos should be held liable for pollution since 1998 uh, last month, an outdoor swimming spot near Dordrecht was closed to the public after high levels of PFAS chemicals were found there. And current affairs show Zembla reported at the end of June that ditches and swimming pools as far as 15 kilometres away uh, were polluted. Mm. But the company wasn't held liable for pollution by another substance called Gen X because the emissions since 2012 were too low. Kimoz has said it's studying the ruling and it will consult with the towns on what action to take and how quickly it can take it. We promised to bring you only the purest, filtered and digested news here on the Dutch News Podcast, but we couldn't do it without the support of you, our wise and generous patrons. So as ever, we're taking a minute to say thank you to all the people who've backed us with their contributions and bought us the time we need to bring you up to speed on everything that's going on in the Netherlands. All new patrons receive a special shout-out by the way of thanks. Uh, you can also ask us a question at any time that uh, we will do our level best to answer. This week we've got three new patrons to thank. So thank you to Ronnie, to Mattia and uh, to Roland. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much indeed. We don't have any questions from them, but we really do appreciate your support and get in touch if you do have anything to ask us. Uh, also thanks to Lev Tatarov, who's returning as a patron after a break. So he's clearly a glutton for punishment. Uh, Welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back to our flock. To our select <laughs> band. Uh, we value that very much. And we do have a question uh, from Riley Henderson, who says, uh, I might be moving to Ada soon. Do you have any thoughts on it? Ada in Helderland. Yeah. I, what, do we, what do we know? Yeah, I saw this... I saw this question and I thought I have absolutely no opinion whatsoever on uh, on Ada. 
Um, yeah. I do know that it is nicely located next to the Veluwe, the, yeah, one yeah. of the largest nature areas in the Netherlands. So that's very nice. That is also used as a training ground for the uh, Royal Dutch Air Force. So if you like Apaches and Chinooks and other sort of uh, military planes and helicopters, then it's definitely the place for you to be. If you don't like it, then <laughs> definitely don't go that's there. That's going to be difficult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very central, isn't it? It's quite near the Rhine as well, I think, near the, near the rivers. Uh, just to the north of the big rivers uh, so nice landscape is near Utrecht as well it's just out just on the border with Utrecht province and uh, yeah the military connection it was um, one of the main landing points for the parachutists yeah. in Operation Market Garden and there's quite that's a right. big commemoration every year in September yeah uh, that's right parachutist plays until 2006 the veterans would drop in on the town uh, but they've got too old for that now. literally drop in on the town. they would literally drop in yeah, uh, yeah but now yeah. The, now they have to have demonstration because the veterans are uh, into their 80s <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little bit too uh, much for them but uh, i think that's quite a big event in ada um it also has quite a lot of churches it's uh, sort of it's, i don't think it's quite in the bible belt is it ada but it's very close it's the borders I, I would say yeah. it is bible belt light is it right okay yeah yeah so you, you haven't got the full black stockings on sunday afternoons no. you, you, okay. can, you can actually go shopping and take your dog for a walk without being remonstrated at <laughs> by domine so that's good news so yeah i don't think it's a reasonably uh, uh pleasant uh, very sort of typical uh, provincial middle-class dutch yeah. town i think uh, yeah, uh it also had uh, i was looking through i'd have to say i was looking through the wikipedia page as you do famous events in history had a very bad uh, dysentery outbreak which uh, killed one in six of the population. But uh, that was in 1783, so I don't think that's okay. a danger anymore. So yeah. you're relatively safe. Yeah. And Ede is always named in connection to Wageningen, which is uh, next of door. Of course. Um, and I think I've been to Ede once because I've been to Wageningen by train and the train station is in, in, in Ede. It's called Ede Wageningen, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. And I know that because I've seen the penis of Bernard. Ah, have uh, you now? Yeah, I have. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I don't know what that is. No, please tell me. Wageningen is the place where the Germans signed the uh, capitulation on uh, May oh, yes. 5th, 1945 at Hotel de Wereld. Uh, and Prince Bernhard was, uh, yeah, his role in the in the liberation of the Netherlands is a little bit exaggerated, but he's sort of the, 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 the figurehead, the symbolic yeah. uh, figurehead of, of, of that whole operation. And he was present at the, at the uh, um, capitulation signing. Uh, and in honor of him, they placed a monument in front of the square of that hotel. And it is a torch, a, a torch that is always burning. Yep. Um, but it is situated on a pole, and that pole grows if the sun is shining, and right. if it's not, then it shrinks again. So okay. um, that's why it's called the penis of, <laughs> of Bernard. Um, okay. th- this is the sort of um, uh, modern art which uh, always drives me in the arms of Thierry uh, Baudet a little bit, I have to admit. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's also next door. So you can also enjoy th- the penis of Bernard if you live yeah. in Ada. Okay, yeah, so this is the sort of quality culture information you get when you become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast. <laughs> exactly. And you can join us, uh, join those ranks uh, for as little as a euro, a dollar, or a pound by logging on to www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Dutch News NL. 
Some short news now, beginning with the NS, because the cabinet has told the railway company it cannot charge extra for peak hour tickets in 2026. The Dutch Railways now has to rethink its strategy for dealing with extremely full trains in rush hour and empty ones at other hours. My experience is though that trains are always full, also in the so-called slow hours, but yeah, that's my experience. Junior yeah. Infrastructure Minister Viviane Heine told MPs the new concession for operating the railway network will include the clause ruling out rush hour supplements. The NS has planned to add up to 250 per journey to peak period ticket prices, was slammed by politicians and passenger groups, saying many people have simply no choice but to travel early in the morning because of their jobs. The reasoning behind this was if we increase the prices, people will travel outside the rush hour, right? Yeah. Completely ignoring the fact that people have to you know, be at their work at yeah, Exactly, yes. the, the small problem that the reason that lots of people travel by train in the morning is because they have to. Yeah, indeed. You can't just turn up at a lecture an hour late or turn up for your job an hour late and expect uh, there to be no repercussions. Yeah, or or drop off your children at school at, uh, yeah. at at a random time. The current concession ends in 2024 with the next operating from 2025 to 2033. Yeah. It's supposedly a free market, even though the NS has a practical monopoly, right? Yeah, that's the weird it's thing. It's, a, it's a private company, uh, but it's wholly owned by the Dutch state, which means yeah. it's not a private company, basically. No. And also, if it was ever to get in financial trouble, it would get a bailout from the... You know, from the public purse which other private companies don't unless there's a pandemic but let's not go there yeah there's also news from the hague as well yes yeah Three months after the collapse of The Hague's ruling municipal collection, a new alliance has been put together, uh, which sidelines Hartford Den Haag, that's the largest party in the city council. Its leader, Richard de Mos, was excluded from the first coalition because he was on trial for corruption. After his acquittal of all charges last April, de Mos called on the coalition parties to allow him in the council executive. Uh, some were in favor, but GroenLinks and PvdA refused, after which the local VVD party pulled the plug out of the coalition. Progress to form a new coalition has been extremely slow, but finally D66, GroenLinks, PvdA, CDA, Partij voor de Dieren and Denk. Interesting enough, Partij voor de Dieren. Yeah. Um, and Denk, by the way. The, yes, exactly, now Denk yeah. is a ruling party in both The Hague and Rotterdam. So uh, yeah, they are slowly becoming a more successful party than we would ha have initially thought, I think, a couple of years ago. Definitely, yeah, um, when they first founded. Yeah. yeah. These six parties have signed up for a new alliance. So uh, yeah, The Hague is ruled again. Good. I see. Without the favorite day and without uh, Richard de Moss. Yes. So. And without uh, Rita Verdonk. So yes. that's also a plus side. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's The Hague. Um, uh, meanwhile, if you're going to Amsterdam from next year, it's going to cost you. Yes, uh, because Amsterdam will have the highest tourist tax in Europe starting from next year. The city is planning to put up the tax on overnight stays to 12.5% of the cost of the hotel room, while cruise ship passengers will pay 11 euros per person instead of 8. On average, tourists will pay 22 euros a night in tax uh, starting next year, uh, which is the fourth highest in the world. The city's administration planned a lower rise, but chose the higher rate following pressure from the council. And the city expects to raise 65 million from tourism next year. And the uh, aim the city uh, ensures us is to pay for services for locals and definitely not discouraging people from visiting oh, no. the cities. No, no. Although, uh, yeah, I hear the grapevine, if you've got a British passport, then the tax is uh, 42%. <laughs> uh, if they would be allowed to discriminate based on nationality, <laughs> they would have done they that. They would definitely do that, yeah. 
Staying in Amsterdam, and uh, things have gone from bad to worse this week for Ajax. The Classico against Feyenoord was abandoned after 55 minutes after fireworks were thrown onto the pitch in the Johan Cruyff Arena. Feyenoord were 3-0 up at that point because Ajax were dreadful uh, and the fans were more yeah. preoccupied with demanding the head of director of football Sven Mislintat. The German is responsible, among other things, for buying and selling players, but the quality of his purchases this summer was more blocker than Bayernkorf. <laughs> One of his recruits, Anton Kai, uh, a Danish defender, was at fault for the first two goals and was substituted after just 32 minutes. Mislintat is also under investigation after it turned out the agent for another of his summer purchases, Croatian defender Borna Sosa, held shares in a company that Mislintat founded. Mislintat mm. himself has blamed the coach, Maurice Stein, for the poor start to the season. He reportedly stormed into the training ground this week, demanding the sacking of Stein if they lost to Feyenoord, but by the time they actually finished the game, Mislintat himself uh, had uh, been uh, put out to grass. After the game was abandoned on Sunday and rioting supporters had trashed one of the entrances to the stadium, Ajax about the inevitable and sacked Mislintat. Initially they said he'd uh, departed by mutual consent when Mislintat intimated that that wasn't the case they put out a new statement saying that no he'd been dismissed. The board also said that his sacking had absolutely nothing to do with the forensic investigation by an accountant, an independent mm. accountant into his affairs. So, on Wednesday, Pierre Eyinka resigned as chair of Ajax's supervisory board, a position he'd held uh, since March. Uh, Missentat himself, by the way, was only appointed in May. I am not deaf to the criticism and I am not blind to the situation Ajax is presently in, said Eyinka. Uh, well, it's very hard. Even if you were deaf and blind, I think you'd have noticed the fireworks uh, being thrown onto the pitch. Yeah. And uh, speaking of hard stuff, uh I was listening to a, a podcast of the uh, of the NOS where they uh, sort of uh, gave an analysis on uh, when everything went down with Ajax and it yeah. all started with the uh, dick pics of uh, Overmars. It uh, did, Mark yes. Mark Overmars, yeah. His resignation, when he resigned, he was basically the Mark Rutte of Ajax, right? After yeah. his resignation, everyone else started to, to leave and yeah. uh, announce their departure. And yeah. ever since, it's been downhill from there. So uh, w- what a dick pic can lead to. Yeah, there's a great headline in one of the newspapers, I think it was Ad Day that basically said Murray Stein owes his job to uh, Mark Overmars' dick pics. Yeah. Which is intriguing. Yeah. But yeah, but basically, the, the, the Ajax in the last uh, 18 months, uh, they've lost Overmars, who was uh, in charge of a very successful transfer policy, but unfortunately not in charge of um, his own genitals. So he had <laughs> to go. Uh, they've also uh, lost Eric Ten Hag, who's a very successful coach. He went to Manchester United. And they've lost uh, Evelyn van der Sar, the CEO, uh, who stepped down in the spring. And then, of course, shortly afterwards, very sadly, had a stroke that he's thankfully recovering from. But uh, yeah, with those, those three men, I think we're really responsible for the success of Ajax in the last five years when they reached a European Champions League semi-final and it's all been downhill since then. Yeah, and after the, the Classico was called off uh, on Saturday it was absolute chaos around the Johan Cruyff Arena yeah. uh, with fans uh, storming the, um, the the main entrance of the of the, of the the offices of Ajax and uh, yeah, it was, uh, th- those weren't pretty sights um, no. to say the least. No. Um, and where does this leave Ajax? Uh, yeah, it leaves them in a 14th place in the Eredivisie, which is probably not the tribute Johan Krauf was hoping for. No, so definitely. Famously wore number 14 at the World Cup. Yeah. The Classica was finished on Tuesday afternoon in an empty arena. Yeah, it was kind of it was like watching a match in COVID again. 
Um, yeah. There were no fireworks on or off the pitch. Uh, there was a threatened protest by the club's hardcore fans, but that didn't happen. What did happen is that Feyenoord Santiago Jimenez uh, finished off the, the slowest ever hat-trick in football. Uh, started on Sunday, <laughs> finished on Tuesday. Uh, he scored the fourth goal. I, I'm really looking forward to the moment uh, Ajax gets uh, degraded to the uh, Kampioen division. Yeah. And Ajax 1 has to play uh, Ajax 2. Ajax yeah. <laughs> and losing. <laughs> it would not be the, the, the most uh, outlandish thing to have happened around Ajax this week, to be honest. No, definitely not. They also drew 3 all with uh, Marseille in the Europa League. Marseille, a club with uh, uh, problems of their own. Did Ajax or Feyenoord? Uh, um, Ajax, sorry. Ajax drew Ajax. 3 all with Marseille. Yeah, final won their Champions League match against, uh, who was it, Celtic. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, Ajax's next four opponents include PSV and Azad Alkmaar, uh, who are the yeah. two clubs who've uh, had the best start to the season so far, although Azet could only draw last night with Heracles. Yeah, so uh, yeah, some tough, uh, tough matches uh, coming yeah. up for Ajax. Yeah. And PSV is, under normal circumstances, uh, yeah, challenging, but, uh, but now... Yeah. Even more so. And Mayor Femke Halsma uh, also uh, uh, had something to say about uh, what's happening at Ajax, right? Yeah, uh, Halsma threatened to take Ajax's ball away unless the situation improved. Uh, she's uh, been very critical of the club's security arrangements. Uh, she pointed out in news here that this is not the first time fireworks have found their way into the stadium. And she said the club should be hanging nets in the parts of the ground occupied by the F side. That's the hardcore fans. So if they throw fireworks, it will yeah, fall it'll back rebound into the, onto, uh, <laughs> onto them. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, and they should also uh, uh, hand out and enforce stadium bans and actually frisk people properly at the entrance to the stadium. And if that doesn't work, uh, she said she would uh, look to change the licensing terms uh, for Ajax so that she could cancel matches if necessary. Mm. Yeah. Cancel culture is striking again. It is. Um, so enough about Ajax. Um, Dick Lawyer, what's, what has he been up to this There week? is Dick Lawyer news. There. Good. Joy, we can joyously tell you there's Dick Lawyer news. Uh, there are strong rumours that Dick Advocat is poised to take over as coach of the Curaçao national team. The wow. Dick celebrated his 76th birthday on Wednesday, but that hasn't put him off a Caribbean adventure. He uh, told Veronica offside this week he was in serious talks to take over as head coach. It would be his 26th managerial appointment and his 8th national team. He's also coached the Netherlands three times. Uh, he's coached Belgium, South Korea, Russia, Serbia, Iraq and the United Arab Emirates. So a lot of stickers on his suitcase. So, yeah, definitely. Speaking of, of climates, I think Curaçao is probably the best choice. Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, yeah, Russia, I Russia is a little bit too cold. Iraq, yeah. It, South Korea is quite pleasant, I think. Not too... Mm. Yeah, I think Curacao is much better. Yeah, but the sticking point is uh, the lack of money available to organise flights and hotels for the players. Certainly, uh, Dick Avogad, I think, uh, don't think uh, accepts anything less than a five-star hotel these days. So, don't think so too. Yeah. Um, and has he ever coached uh, the women's team? He did briefly, yeah, in uh, 1987, really? at the start of his coaching oh. career, when the women's team was just uh, getting off the ground. They'd uh, played their first professional match five years earlier. He didn't quite match the, the success of Serena Wichmann, though. Wichmann won the European Championship and reached two World Cup finals with different teams. And those teams, England and the Netherlands, met in Utrecht this week in the Women's Nations League. But Wichmann had to uh, suffer defeat at the hands of uh, her old team. The Dutch prevailed 2-1, thanks to a stunning late goal by Renate Janssen. And that left uh, Wichmann nursing very mixed feelings. Uh, she said it was nice to be back in Utrecht. Utrecht was also where uh, uh, the Dutch uh, began their uh, campaign in the European Championships in 2017 that they ended up winning. So lots of happy memories, but um, ultimately a defeat 
for Serena Wiechmann in England. Those two teams now have three points after two matches and are one point behind Belgium, who drew one all with Scotland. And the Women's Nations League, by the way, is significant because uh, two teams from that competition will qualify for the Olympics in Paris next year. Hmm. Amsterdam's Van Gogh Museum is working together with the makers of Pokemon as part of the celebrations of the museum's 50th anniversary. The alliance includes a special Pokemon hunt through the gallery in both Dutch and English, lessons in how to draw Pikachu, Van Gogh-inspired Pokemon paintings and a promo card that fans can add to their collection. Vincent van Gogh's work and Pokemon are both closely linked with Japanese art and culture, the museum said. Japanese prints were a great influence on uh, Van Gogh's work and view of the world. He wrote to his brother Theo in September 1888, and we wouldn't be able to study Japanese art, it seems to me, without becoming much happier and more cheerful, and it makes us return to nature despite our education and our work in a world of convention. Museum director Emil Gordenker said the alliance would uh, give the next generation a refreshing way of getting to know Van Gogh's art and story. Um, and uh, it will attract even more Japanese tourists probably <laughs> also uh, <laughs> yeah. part of the considerations and uh, the Pokemon event will take place from September 28th to January 7th and tickets can be bought online, can only be bought online I can say out of experience because I wanted to buy some tickets a couple of weeks ago uh, at, the, at the office there and it wasn't, uh, wasn't the, available, uh, I wasn't able to do they it can yeah, just go so. online on their laptop and uh, buy some tickets no yeah the thing is you have to book like uh, a time slot and ah, okay. uh, yeah you can't go there on the spot and buy right. some tickets you have to uh, make a reservation and the thing is it's always so full that all the spots are yeah. are filled uh, uh, when you arrive there so yeah. it's uh, if you want to go to the Van Gogh Museum book in advance online and um, enjoy your Pokemon Van Gogh visit. Yeah. I never realized that Van Gogh um, uh, was a fan uh, of Pokemon. <laughs> drew so much influence from Japanese art. No, me uh, neither. But yeah. when I when I read that and I was looking at his paintings, I, I thought, yeah, actually you, you can definitely see that he was influenced by that. And also he has a lot of paintings where there are Japanese drawings in the background, for example, yeah. that famous self-portrait where, where he's having these bandages on his ear after he cut them off in, hmm. um, in France. You, see, you also see like a, a woman in a kimono in the background so yeah. um, if you know that he has been looking at Japanese paintings then you can definitely see it in almost all of his artwork yeah it's true I mean even the, that recently recovered painting of the uh, garden at Noonan so the figures have uh, as a, a certain yeah. sort of Japanese type of uh, pose don't they uh, the, the way yeah. that they're yeah, arranged in the picture yeah I guess it's true yeah yeah. Now this case, it's a clever move I think by the Van Gogh Museum apparently the gift shop definitely. absolutely cleared out within about half an hour right <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the staff were fuming that they, they hadn't uh, you know, uh, bought a plush before that uh, run one through the till before it opened because uh, they were gone within minutes. But, uh, They'll be making so much money they can buy uh, some Rembrandts from the uh, yes, indeed, uh, yeah, yeah, f- for for the for the Rijksmuseum. So it's funny thing that an artist who basically died penniless is now uh, yeah, yeah one of the biggest money spinners in uh, in Dutch culture. There is a I never watched this uh, uh, Doctor Who is a. Um, BBC program, I think, yes, BBC yeah. series, and yeah. they have an episode. I've seen that episode because it was shown on Zomergasten, where uh, they bring Van Gogh to the future. Yeah. They even bring him to the Van Gogh Museum, I think, and 
yeah, they uh, they show him, uh, yeah, uh, how well appreciated his work is. Yeah, they show him his success, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah his enormous success, which is which is such a contrast with, uh, yeah, when he was uh, when he was alive, because he yeah. famously sold only one or two paintings, right, in his yes. entire life. That's it for you this week. Uh, this podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek, and we'll be back next week. Did you see, by the way, uh, the, the the joke I made about Hank Hall? I uh, I did. Remind me of it. <laughs> uh, he was. Um, oh yes, no, it was, it was a, the sign behind him, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he posted yeah. a tweet saying that uh, yeah he needed uh, steun verklaringen. So yeah, you need yeah. if you want to. Uh, uh, take part in the election you need some signatures yeah. yes and yeah. he still needed them so he said yeah i'm now at this particular uh, city hall come here if you want to support me i need some signatures and but but if you zoomed in on his face he was standing behind <laughs> a sign it was it was in the background saying um, beware of, of 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 scammers right yeah beware of fraudsters like yeah <laughs> <Beware> of fraudsters. <laughs> so yeah it beautiful. was uh, but, but he had this broad smile and then this this sign in the background it was just yeah. glorious yeah um